Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Boosting Your Financial IQ. Today, I'm going to let you in on a little secret of mine. In my line of work, I've had the great opportunity to interview a lot of CFOs and other financial professionals, whether it's for a client of mine, um, when I'm helping them source a strategic leader or a, a financial professional as part of a turnaround or a transformation, or in my CFO role, um, in the past, I interviewed a lot of financial professionals to try to fill different roles in our accounting and finance department. So I've had the opportunity to do a lot of interviews and my secret weapon in the interview, if you could call it that, I don't know if it's a secret weapon, but one of the things that I ask them is how would you turn around a company and fix their gross profit if month over month they were experiencing deterioration in gross profitability? And today, I'm going to provide you the answer to that question and equip you to know how to answer it yourself, but more importantly, what you can do right now to boost gross profitability in your business. All right, before we begin, let me set the stage. So what we're talking about here today is gross profit. Now, remember on the income statement, that's where you're going to find gross profit on the income statement. It starts with revenue, revenue or sales. And remember revenue represents the amount of money that you earn by creating and delivering products and services to your customers. So that's revenue, that's sales. Then you have cost of goods sold or cost of revenue. And these are costs associated with producing the sales or producing the revenue by putting in place the work. And remember in cost of goods sold, you have things such as material equipment, rental or equipment, maintenance, non-capital expenditures. You have labor. That's your, your biggest cost typically in cost of goods sold. You may have subcontractors and you have other costs associated with producing the work and putting work into place. All right. So after you take revenue minus cost of goods sold, you end up with gross profit. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about your gross profit or your gross margin before accounting for operating expenses. Okay. So this is profit before overhead. That's what we're talking about. I don't want you to get confused because we're not talking about net income. We're not talking about EBITDA. We're not talking about any other type of profit um, beyond just gross profit, all right, before accounting for overhead. So that's really important to understand. All right, so let's jump in. There's three ways to boost gross profit in your business. And everything else is just a subcategory of these three ways. Okay. So if you could remember these three things today, and then if you could take some of these things that you learn and then go implement them in your business, wow, you're going to have a big impact. So let's talk about these. The, the first way to boost your gross profit is through volume increases in volume. Now, let me explain when I say increase your volume or grow your revenue. So if you grow the top line, and let's assume that your cost of goods sold as a percentage of revenue stays the same, then your gross profit is going to stay the same as a percentage of revenue. But if you grow volume and everything else stays the same, you're going to increase gross profit in dollar terms. And that's what I'm talking about here. You're not going to increase volume and then magically fix your cost of goods sold percentage. Instead, I'm talking about growing gross profit through volume increases, but gross profit in terms of dollars, not as a percent. 
Okay. So hopefully that makes sense. And that wasn't all muddled coming out of my mouth. All right. So how do you grow volume? How do you grow revenue? Well, growing revenue is actually pretty easy to do. Okay. You could go out there and you could offer discounts. You could have aggressive sales tactics. You can grow revenue pretty easily. However, there's smart revenue and then there's dumb revenue. (laughs) So the dumb revenue is revenue that you grow quickly by doing discounting and other tactics that are not sustainable. And therefore, after the discounts go away and after you acquire all these possibly price sensitive customers, it's hard to reverse that. It's hard to reverse that trend and then you may lose market share again and then you have to go through the same cycle. We saw this with Groupon and Living Social, if you guys remember that. Groupon and Living Social, they had a business model where they would go out there to like massage parlors or other um, professional service companies and and there's, you know, there's tourism companies and all sorts of companies that got on the platform um, beyond just these. And they would say, hey, look, you know, you should offer your your products at a discount. Um, let us sell this this coupon or this discounted service on our platform, and then you'll increase your volume. And then they'll come back to you after they see how good of a job you do. But what they found is that with these masseuses, when they were going out there and and offering a massage for you know forty bucks an hour discounted, they would bring in the initial business. But then that customer wasn't loyal. They would just go look for the next discount and the next coupon on Living Social or Groupon, and that customer would not be sticky. So that's an example of growing revenue in an unsustainable way. You may get some sudden spikes. However, if that revenue is not profitable or sustainable, then you may run into some issues in the future. Clayton Christensen, the Harvard professor and the author of The Innovator's Dilemma, he said, be patient on revenue growth and be impatient on profit growth. And too often, leaders, they're impatient on revenue growth and they're patient on profit growth. So they think that if they go out there and grow revenue, they increase their top line and they scale up, then later on they could go back to their customers and they could raise their prices or they can realize cost efficiencies and ultimately increase profitability. Now, this sounds good in theory. However, it's difficult to achieve. So just remember that. Be patient on revenue growth. Get your business model fixed and then increase volume sustainably and you can achieve great profitability. All right, so how do you grow your top line? How do you increase volume? There's four things I wanna talk about. The first thing is to refocus your strategy. If you have not had a strategy session with your team in the last month or quarter, you need to get together with them because without a solid strategy to move forward, a strategy that defines where you're going to compete, your market focus and position, your customer segments, the ideal customer to pursue, the activities that your company is going to engage in to deliver exceptional products and services and experiences to your customers, if you don't have this strategy combined with KPIs and initiatives that you're going to go and invest in, then you're going to probably grow your top line in ways that are not going to be sustainable or in a manner that conflicts with your core business. So some companies out there right now with the global crisis and with COVID-19, they're panicking, right? Which I understand like your revenue drops by 30 to 50% it can create a lot of panic and anxiety in a business. However, if you don't have a strategy and you're just out there 
doing a bunch of random things to fill the gap, what you may actually be doing is creating a business that you don't want to be in moving into the future. That's why it's important to refocus your strategy, determine whether or not revenue growth is something you want to do, something that you can sustain, and really looking at your business model more holistically. That's number one. Number two, you can look at new products and services. Now, when you look at new products and services, I always like to frame it like this. You have your core products and services. Okay, These are the things that your business was founded on. These are the things that you could deliver seamlessly to customers. You're doing it right now. That's your core business. Now, you want to make sure your core is solid, right? You have a strong core. You have operational excellence occurring around the core. And once you have that, then you can start exploring new products and services in adjacencies. Now, adjacencies are products and services that may be added on to your existing products and services, your existing offerings, okay? But they're adjacent to what you're doing. There's some overlap, right? Now, pursuing adjacent products and services may be a good idea. So let's just say you're a plumbing company and you do residential construction, all right? So you go out there and you do plumbing for new homes. Well, you may decide to offer your same services, your plumbing installation services for renovations, for example. So instead of just doing new homes, you may expand into renovations. That's an example of expanding into an adjacency. Or you may want to get into service calls, right? So you're going out there and you're not just doing installations, you're doing things like drain cleanings, replacing water heaters, doing filtration systems, whatever it may be. But these are examples of new products and services that are adjacent to your core, all right? So not super risky. Then you have big bets. Now, big bets, these are things that go outside of your adjacencies. So you may be a plumbing company and your big bet is to expand into electrical. So you believe that electrical and plumbing go hand in hand, the capabilities cross over and your same vans or trucks that you use to do plumbing may also be used for electrical. So there's some synergies there. That's an example of a big bet. So when you look at your business as your core, your adjacencies and your big bets, then you can start understanding um, some areas where you can expand your products and service offerings. You just want to be careful because if your big bets are too big of bets, meaning that if you're investing in products and services, new products and services, that if you take on the risk and the risk fails and it bankrupts your company, you may want to scale it back a little bit. So you should be careful with your big bets um, because you don't want to take a good business, make a big bet, go down the wrong path, invest too much money, sustain losses, and never recover. So that's a way to look at new products and services. The next way to increase volume and grow revenue is by capturing market share in an existing market. So how do you do that? Well, right now in a global crisis, a lot of people, a lot of companies, they cut back their advertising and marketing spend. Some of them may be fearful. They may be anxious about the future. So they kind of dial things back. But now is a great time to be out there in front of your customers. Let them know that you exist. Build that trust and loyalty with them so you can capture additional market share. You can do some discounting, okay? But I, I highly discourage discounting in a lot of situations because it may not be sustainable or you may pick up customers that are price sensitive and you may not want to grow your customer base like that. But sometimes it's appropriate to offer discounting. 
and you you may do that and be able to capture some additional market share. Um, but increasing um, advertising spend, marketing, and your presence on social media may be great ways to get out there and capture additional market share. You may want to invest in a sales team if it's appropriate for your business model and train your sales team to be more effective. And this may be another way to, uh, to increase your market share in an existing market. Let's take a quick break. All right, I have to interrupt the show, but I'll be super quick. I have a question for you. Who are you working for? Chances are you're working for everyone else besides yourself. Think about it. You're working for shareholders by grinding away in someone else's company. You're working for a bank by paying interest. You're working for the government by paying taxes. You're working for social media companies by giving your attention to their paid advertisers. You're working for your friends by doing crap that you don't want to do. You're working for everyone else by not pursuing the most essential things you are destined to achieve. Look, I've been there. I'm still there at times. Ugh, it could be so frustrating. If you want to achieve financial freedom, the fastest way to do it is through business. Don't get tricked by get-rich-quick schemes. Don't be fooled that your 401k is going to build you wealth. Don't waste time by trying to piece business finance together. Check this out. Here's my invitation. Go to byfiq.com, which stands for Boosting Your Financial IQ, and check out our programs. We have one for every possible path you're on. Whether your goal is to become fluent in business finance, launch a profitable business, or scale a business successfully, we have a solution to help you. I promise you, your life will change when you take action. So check out these opportunities that I've prepared for you. Now back to the show. And then the fourth thing that I want to talk about as far as increasing your revenue is through mergers and acquisitions. So now may be a good time because companies are struggling, they're distressed, and there may be companies out there that you want to acquire. And now may be a time to do that. Just know that mergers and acquisitions, they're not as easy as they may sound to be. So acquiring a business and integrating their company into your business, it has to be a very strategic, intentional approach. And there's a lot of tactical things that are associated with that, but it could be a good way to bolt on other businesses to your core and to expand your volume and grow your revenue. So that's the first way to increase your gross profit. But remember, I'm talking about increasing your gross profit in dollars terms, not as a percentage of revenue. Okay, You're just doing more volume at the same percentage. So your, uh, your dollars are increasing because of that scale. All right. Number two is through price premiums. Now, you can't just go out to your customers and increase your pricing. I mean, unless you're way underpriced. Now, some of you may be offering your your services and your products at a value that is below market. And if you're doing that, sure, you can raise your prices. Okay, Or small incremental price increases here and there um, could be a quick boost to your bottom line. But how do you sustain price premiums? Well, what I always say when I'm training companies um, in this area is I say, customers buy when value exceeds price. And I'm talking about perceived value or real value. So if customers perceive that the value is more than the price that they're paying, then they realize that they have an upside for themselves. Therefore, they're willing to buy your products and services. Now, sadly, oftentimes companies have pricing that exceeds their perceived value. 
So maybe their value has come down because the perceived quality or their service is bad or whatever it may be. Um, or maybe the value prop is just not aligned with the product or it doesn't resonate with the customer really well. And therefore the price seems higher than the value. So companies, they lower the price and that's where discounting comes in and you lower price low enough where it's below value and then customers start buying. So here the key is increasing that perceived value or that real real value so it exceeds your price and customers are willing to buy. So how do you do that? The first thing is through brand equity. So building a strong brand is really critical. A brand that customers can trust, a brand that's consistent, a brand that delivers, right? And it delivers on its promise. So building brand equity right now is really, really critical. So being customer centric, putting customers first and in building a brand that customers come to love can be a great way to get a price premium. Just think about the luxury brands out there and people are willing to pay a premium for them because they know that along with them, the promise is there, the quality is going to be there and it's going to be a great experience, which leads into my second point of increasing prices, okay, price premiums. You could do this through a great customer experience. Now think about it. There's some places where you'll go where the experience far exceeds other experiences and you're willing to pay extra money for it. So I'm looking out my window right now. I'm in downtown Denver and I can see parts of uh, Six Flags. So there's a Six Flags Illiches. It's a theme park that's in uh, the middle of the city. And I've been there a couple times, but I could tell you that going there was not my favorite experience because um, the people just weren't as friendly as I, I thought they would be in a, a setting like that. It wasn't as clean. It, it kind of felt a little dingy. And it just didn't have that like magic associated with it. So therefore, here we have the Six Flags, this theme park in the middle of the city, which is 25 minutes from my house. And I've been there a couple of times, but I've never taken my kids there. Now, instead, what we do is we hop on a plane and we fly to California or Florida and we take our kids to Disney and we pay a lot more for a ticket and a lot more for the experience because the customer experience is that much more magical. Now, that's an extreme example, but that's just one example of where I'm willing to pay more for a customer experience and other people are as well. Think about restaurants. You go to a restaurant and the experience may be terrible, even though the food may be good, you may not want to return. So customer experience, investing in your customer experience is really critical. Now, you could do this by understanding your customer's values and then designing the activities that your company performs to be more customer-centric and to deliver experiences that are relevant, that's key, experiences that are relevant to them, that are unique, and that are exceptional. So delight your customers. The next thing is is through quality. Okay, so remember, quality is perceived or it's real, but making sure your, your products are quality and that you could deliver and, and execute on them is going to be really critical in getting price premiums. Because if the quality is there, people are willing to pay more money for quality. Uh, which gets into innovative products. Maybe you have a product that's innovative that nobody else offers. Maybe this product is so innovative. And the key here of making it innovative is it solves a customer's pain points really, really well. It's dialed in. It's dialed in on the pain that the customer feels and it delivers a solution targeted to that specific customer. So if you have innovative products, you get a price premium. And then the last thing is 
a customer lockdown or a customer lock-in. If you're able to get customers onto your platform, it's a, it's a very sticky platform or it's a sticky service that you offer, right? That maybe it's a recurring service, then therefore you could get customer lock-in because they don't want to switch and go to another company. So therefore, if you have price premiums, they're so locked in that they're willing to pay for these instead of switching over and, and dealing with the hassle of finding an, another company to serve the same needs. So that's method number two of increasing your gross profit is through price premiums. So the first one was increasing volume through smart revenue growth. Number two is price premiums. And number three is through cost efficiencies. Now, cost efficiencies can be achieved by number one, having an innovative business model. So right now, okay, right now during this crisis, if you're not looking at your business model and questioning every single thing about it, Okay, you're missing a huge opportunity. You should be looking at your business model and asking these tough questions like, why do we do what we do? Why do we fill out this form? Why do we need this paperwork? How can we streamline the process? What technologies can we implement in order to create more alignment, greater clarity, better efficiency? How can we empower accountability? These are questions that you should be asking about your entire business model. And looking at reinventing it because realizing cost efficiencies is absolutely critical. You know, I spend a lot of time in the renewable energy space, especially solar. And what you're seeing in the utility scale solar space is this compression of pricing, which is driven by these power purchase agreements. And these power purchase agreements, this it sets the price at which the energy is going to be paid for based on what the solar farm is producing. So as these PPAs continue to decrease, it means that these projects need to be produced or constructed at a lower cost. Otherwise, the contractor at the very bottom of the chain gets squeezed. So the only way to do this is to reinvent the whole entire operating is to reinvent the entire operating model. So in the past, projects had this hierarchy of project management. So rethinking that and asking the questions, okay, how can we manage these projects more effectively with less labor? Um, how can we train our people with better technologies, with real-time delivery, instead of having hands-on meetings with hundreds of employees for 30 minutes to an hour a day? Because that can really kill productivity and cost a lot of money. So it's reinventing the business model. It's looking at digitizing things, optimizing processes, and more importantly, eliminating things. Oftentimes we think innovation equals doing more. I would argue that innovation is really about doing less, but just more of the essential things. That's number one of cost efficiencies. Second is economies of scale. So growing your business in a localized manner, achieving economies of scale is much easier to do through local synergies and through a local network rather than um, nationwide synergies. So just keep that in mind with economies of scale. As your business grows, you know maybe you can use certain operating expenses across multiple businesses. So say you have four businesses and your accounting team can do the accounting for all four of those businesses then your costs, your accounting costs per business may actually decrease as you grow. But if you're more spread out and you have an accounting team that tries to provide accounting services to a business in Denver and then in Colorado Springs and Pueblo, that may work pretty well. 
However, if your businesses are more spread out, so let's say you have a business in Denver, one in Canada, one in China, one in Europe, one in New York, then you may have to have accounting teams in those areas because having a centralized accounting team across geographies may not make sense. So economies of scale work better in localized areas rather than spread out. The next way to achieve cost efficiencies is through agility. This is speed to value. This is being agile as an organization. Your most expensive costs and cost of goods sold typically is going to be direct labor. And if you're a construction company, your direct labor may be 30 to 70% um, of your cost, depending what type of work you're in. And this may be true for other industries outside of construction as well. And the, the key here is to be able to maximize the return on your labor and to be quick, right? Not It's not about doing work faster and, and increasing your number of incidences or jeopardizing your safety or your quality. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it's figuring out how to move quicker, how to be more efficient, how to leverage technology and, and more advanced equipment in order to be more agile and to maximize your output on your labor. And then the next way is through unique resources. So maybe there's some unique resources out there like technology or access to materials, or maybe there's new materials that you're using in your products and services that are allowing you to lower your cost. So those are just some ways to realize cost efficiencies. And hopefully there's something that you got out of today's episode that you could go back to your company and implement immediately to boost your gross profit. So just as a recap, there are three ways to boost your gross profit. So if you ever get caught with me in an interview, oh, I feel so bad for you. No, I'm just kidding. But if, you, um, if you're ever in an interview situation, if you're having a conversation as a team, right, as a group of business leaders discussing financials, or if you want to bring some of these ideas back to your group to maximize profitability right now, it'd be really good. Three ways. Remember, increase volume. That's not going to change your percentage of gross profit, your percentage of gross profit as a percentage of revenue, but it'll increase gross profit in dollar terms, in relative terms. Number two, price premiums. In here, value, perceived value has to exceed price. Guys, okay, so make sure you have a strategy in place to sustain these price premiums. And then number three, cost efficiencies. Those are the three ways to boost gross profit. Like I said, this podcast is great for listeners, but what's even better is when you can take these principles that you learn in this episode and apply it to business that's where the magic happens. And that's what I'd encourage you to do. So go out there, improve your business, maximize value in your role and accelerate your career. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Boosting Your Financial IQ. And I look forward to the next one with you. In the meantime, take care. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at BYFIQ.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit BYFIQ.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again.
Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at BYFIQ.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing. If you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit BYFIQ.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again.